managing is something where it's a whole different skill set. You know, a lot of engineers think if I'm a good engineer and I suddenly become an engineering manager, that's because I'm a good engineer. But to be a good manager is not the same as being a good engineer. For me, it was a transition. I had to admit that, you know, I don't know a lot about managing, so I have to read as much as I can about it. I had to ask people a lot. I had what I consider a mentor. I asked them like, what books like did you read that helped you? I love to read. So I kind of just dive right into it. It's not something you just are good at. You have to experience it and you have to go through. You're going to run into mistakes and you're going to have to learn from them. Be open to changing your way of thought. Welcome back to the Fresh Engineer podcast, where fresh engineers share their stories. I'm your host and mechanical engineer Anna Reich, and in today's episode, I'm talking to Byron Tang, who is a civil engineer specialized in traffic and transportation engineering. He works as senior transportation engineer at City of Hayward in California in the United States. He also runs an amazing YouTube channel with over 2,000 subscribers all about traffic engineering. In our conversation, we talk about why he switched his major from music to civil engineering, why you absolutely need to prioritize getting an internship if you're studying civil engineering, what traffic engineers actually do, which really surprised me, and his advice for engineers who want to become manager and which books you can read to prepare. So I hope you get as much value from the conversation as I did. Yeah, welcome. To start, I would just ask you to give a quick introduction of yourself. My name is Byron Tang. I'm a traffic engineer. I work in California, USA. I've been a traffic engineer for about 12 years now, around. I really like what I do. And I have, I started a YouTube channel and I, I like, it's about traffic engineering and I'm really just into it. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Nice. Okay. So to start, I just uh, want to ask you an icebreaker question I like to ask everyone. And that is, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And what were you like as a kid? What were your interests? Yeah, I, I haven't moved around a lot. Um, I was, I was born in um, California. In Sacramento, that's the that's the capital city of, of California. And when I grew up, I think of my life kind of in three stages. When I was a kid, I was always outdoors. I was just doing a lot of things, playing tag. It's like a lot of running. I love to run. Love to play sports. And then I went through a phase, kind of in middle school, uh, where I just played a lot of computer games. I was really interested in computers and how computers worked like video games. Also, Nintendo 64 was out at that time. So I was, I was really into that. And then the, the third phase in, in high school, I, I got really serious about um, playing the piano. I, I call that my music phase where I, I really, really try to be good at music and, you know, understanding music. So I, I had a lot of interest, but if, if I were to break it down, it, it'd be those three phases that I went through. Okay. And so then you studied civil engineering, right? How did you decide to study civil engineering of all the types of engineering, but also of all the other things you could have done? And what was your experience like with your studies? So was it like you expected? Okay, so that's a two-part question. Remind me if I if I forget to answer the second part. Yeah. But I was, as I just mentioned, I was interested in a lot of things. And at first, I wasn't even an engineering major. I entered college as a music major. I was very serious about music at the time. And I think a lot of our decisions end up being influenced by the times we live in. I was in college around 2009, 2008, time when uh, the Great Recession was occurring. And it was pretty apparent to me that as much as I love music, and I knew I wasn't going to be the next Mozart, like it probably would have been smart to change majors and 
actually study something that, you know, I'll be able to live comfortably and reach other goals in my life. So I didn't make the hard decision at the time to change my major. Why I chose civil engineering, one of the draws was it seemed like there's a lot of broad sub-disciplines in civil engineering. And even though I didn't know exactly which one I wanted, I, I love to learn. And I knew that also from just the economical side that civil engineers, civil engineers were, you kind of need them in society in terms of like, and they're, they're always in the demand. So I felt like there's a, there's a certain amount of job security, but also um, I was good at math. So I knew civil engineering probably I, I could do, I could get through it after switching majors. So that's kind of how I chose it not knowing what I was going to be, what kind of civil engineer I was going to be. And then, um, so the second part of the question, what was that? Was it how you expected or was it in any way different uh, to study from what you expected? Well, some of it was it was actually is hard. Some of it was hard. Like I, what I found out with civil engineering was there were some parts of it that I excelled in and some that I didn't. Like, for example, civil engineering is broken up into like um, transportation, geotechnical, water resources, structural. There's some I didn't do well at all, like structural. There's some that I did well. Um, I thought I did well in geotechnical, transportation. So I guess like I wasn't expecting to be like the best student, but I found it really interesting. So I'm happy I chose it. But I kind of jumped in not knowing what to expect. Did you have any engineers in your family or in your acquaintances? And how do you think that impacted your decision? to become an engineer? Yes. On my dad's side, there are quite a few engineers. My dad being a mechanical engineer, he started as a mechanical engineer. He, he later became a civil engineer also. I have two uncles. One uncle was a civil engineer and then another uncle was uh, more of like a software, hardware engineer for like computer parts. Did they directly influence me? I don't, it's not like they put stuff in front of me to make me an engineer. Like a bunch of uh, like Legos or something. I don't think they actively influenced me. I kind of made that choice on my own. But I would say I think there are some like maybe genetics. I don't know that make some people a little better. Like, you know, math comes a little easier for some people. And, uh, you know, I feel like there could be some of that. But no, I don't I don't feel like I, they directly influence like my decision to become an engineer. What advice would you give a high school student who's thinking of studying civil engineering and isn't sure if it's the right thing for them. Yeah, so <laughs> this is this is a big question. I want to think about this one a little bit. For this one, I would say if you're thinking about engineering, civil engineering or any other kind kind of engineering, you know, it's it's hard at that stage. I'm trying to remember how I was like at that stage. It's hard to know your life's purpose, you know, <laughs> and asking those kind of questions. I feel like you're never really going to know. The only way you can know is to experiment. Really, the best thing you can do is observe it in real life. Sometimes what's in the textbook, once you work, it's very different. Sometimes in civil engineering, when I was studying, like I thought it was very dry, like this is boring. But then when you, you're actually in the field, when you're seeing it with your own eyes and you're seeing how it impacts people's lives, I think that's when it can be inspiring. So a lot of it is just trying to get out there, meet people who who are in that. And then also think about how what make, gives you enjoyment. So in kind of like all engineering, we build things to like, make people's lives better, right? At some point, like hopefully you that if you like that and it gives you fulfillment and joy, like it does for me, that's one thing one of the things that draws me to it. You kind of have to think like you like impacting people's lives through infrastructure or maybe building like working on like a robot, you know, that would help someone's life. You want to be in a field that you 
can enjoy and find fulfillment in. So civil engineering, I, I felt, you know, looking at what civil engineers do, like it's just so important to society to have like, you know, water and, you know, roads, like just, just very basic things. So I was really interested in wanting to help people out. And I, I felt, yeah, that's what drew me to civil engineering. So you kind of have to think of it that way. Like what gives you that inner uh, motivation and fulfillment? Um, a lot of um, students are intimidated by engineering school. So taking it to the next level, they decided to study civil engineering. What advice would you give a student at the basically on the first day of their studies to make it through their studies successfully? Yeah, and this is kind of, there's a lot of math and science you're gonna have to go through. Really, it's finding a good, I feel like what I could have done better was, you know, finding a good support group. I, I kind of just try to do things on my own, you know, study it on my own. But if, if you can find find a group that also you can, you know, study with, but also they, you know, they help make it fun. I think that just makes it so much more enjoyable. So you'll be able to grind, you know, through the whole thing. And I feel like it's a lot of studying and it's really important to study, but you got to stay balanced and, you know, join, join a club, you know, or something like that. That's kind of what keeps keeps you sane <laughs> and you know make friends right and you, you know don't neglect like the social part of going to college and you know networking and doing other things knowing what you need now as an engineer do you think there's anything students should prioritize that they usually don't or should not prioritize that they usually do for for civil engineering i think you definitely need to prioritize getting an internship one of the benefits that i've I feel lucky is I was in an internship for four years, which is almost almost my whole time in civil engineering. I mean, you just need that experience. Even if you go through engineering school, um, but you have zero in internship experience coming out, I feel like that's a disadvantage. And then also being able to work makes it so you can link what you're learning in college. And it just, you just so much be able to better understand why it's important to learn something. Cause it, it can just feel so theoretical. Like, well, I got to learn all this. Like, you know, it's just pages of equations and equations and equations, but then you, you have a job, right? And then you'll start to understand like there's certain there's certain equations that, are, that you're probably not going to use that much and there's certain ones that are really important so you see so you, you begin to link it to real life and that's to me being able to put that on your resume having the work experience just getting internship experience is very important i, I always tell that to people who ask me for advice okay great advice and internship in this case meant something that you did like sometime next to your studies or? Right. So, uh, you know, I would study and then part-time, say I have classes from uh, 8 to 2 p.m., right? Then from 2 to like 5 p.m., I would work. I worked at a city, like a public agency for the public works department. From there, it's like you're getting job experience and you're, st you're still studying and you're getting um, job experience. And it's just so important to get job experience and not just focus just on school. That's if you want to work and not go into research or something. Great. Thanks for the breakdown. I think that's really helpful. So now you work as a traffic engineer. Could you, first of all, explain what traffic engineering is? Yeah. So, so traffic engineering, I think there's a misconception where like, Oh, is a traffic engineer. So you design roads. That's not quite true. There are transportation engineers who are very focused on the detailed design of the road. But traffic engineers kind of cover a lot of the other things. For example, there's a lot of signage, you know, 
signs that need to go in construction when you when you build a road or the traffic signals like um, how do you time the traffic signals right it's like after everything's built things still need to be operated and maintained so traffic engineers we're in that a lot we do a lot of that we also can get into um, a bit of modeling looking at a traffic study so this is even before something is constructed you kind of have to do some planning to see like um, how much volume will be needed for this road will need to be able to handle. Are there going to be pedestrian vehicle conflicts leading to safety issues, right? So safety is one thing we focus on a lot. Like, is the road going to be safe? So traffic engineers do a lot more than just designing the road. We help with designing the road, but we also have all these other things we, we have to do to make sure that the roads and other things are safe and efficient. Could you paint a picture of what your work looks like and your work day? So, you know, what are you wearing? Uh, where do you work? And then what do you typically do in a day? I work for a city. As a city, we have like constituents, right, who pay taxes and we have to provide services. I'm not in the field a lot. And, and if I am in the field, it's not like I'm I'm trudging around in the dirt, right? Uh, a lot of times I'm on the sidewalk or something. So I wear protective shoes. But then from there, it's, you know, it's like slacks, a collared shirt. If I need to, I have a vest and hard hat. But then, uh, so a typical day, I will be dealing with a lot of people who are complaining about traffic or want something about traffic. We get all different kinds of requests, like um, requests for speed humps. So we have to do studies to determine that. A lot of times I'm either working to get studies done or um, looking to see, sometimes we do have to go out in the field to make measurements to see if a certain traffic control device meets a warrant, which means like meet certain requirements to have. And then at other times I could be looking at, if you notice on traffic signals, there's like cameras, right? Um, so we can see through cameras, uh, see the flow of traffic, making sure there's no issues. A lot of times it's not project-based. It's kind of just running around to the next thing that needs attention instead of just, uh, I know some engineers, they just have one project, that the big project they're working on, and they just spend all their time working on a big project. Well, for traffic engineers, it's not like that, especially one that works for a city. We have to kind of have to go where we're needed. And then what is the typical approach for a project, even if it's you know, like a, a small task that comes up or a bigger project, what are the important steps that you need to take? In my work, you're dealing with the public, right? So it's a lot of um, writing emails and um, making sure that it's almost like customer service, right? If someone complains about something or if a sign's broken down, you want to help them, but you also have to do a lot of investigating. So what I would do is a lot of times we're assessing the, the condition, the existing conditions of what, what happened what's out there in the field. Then we have to analyze and uh, make uh, recommendations based on a lot of traffic engineering standards or um, just standards that we go by. And then a lot of it is psychology, right? When you're dealing with people, you have to communicate well. You have to make sure you're treating people well. It's very important to not neglect the communication. And communication is so key when you're dealing with the public. What is a common mistake or problem during these projects or tasks? Common mistake? We don't make mistakes, no. Just <laughs> of course not. <laughs> uh, a common mistake is you, you. sometimes if you get too much in the work, you just want to keep getting things done. But you need to take the time to talk to people. You need to take the time to really understand a situation because we're very busy and you want to just, you know, get through emails. Or you, But uh, 
a lot of it is really making sure because if you if you work for the government, you want to do a good job. You want you want to make people feel like you know they pay their tax dollars and they're getting to their money's worth. Like they're not wasting their money, right? It's just、um, making sure people are taken care of. I mean, you mentioned this a little bit with the, that you're not just planning roads, but what is a misconception about your job or industry that most people get wrong? A misconception. I'm sure there's a lot. The, one of the biggest misconceptions is that、uh, there's a lot of talk that traffic engineers、uh, don't consider things besides cars. And I have to say, we do a lot of work for for really all types of transportation. I, I'm I'm, I'm talking about like for people walking, for people、um, on their bikes, for people in cars, and even we work with transit a lot too. P- people. When they're in the U.S., they just see people driving cars, and they think traffic engineers don't, you know, care about other other things.、Uh, but no, that's not the truth. I mean, we put a lot of time and effort in looking into safety. But there, there's some things that just don't change and、uh, as fast as people think. I think people have expectations where oh, you just change that and. You know everything should be fine, but it doesn't really work that way. Once once you start working, and you see like other issues. Sometimes habits take a long time to change. One other thing that I mean, I had probably until this call is、uh, I'm shocked to learn that like people are monitoring the traffic. It's just something、oh, I would、yeah. have never thought about. It, it's similar to what we do in production. I mean, we also monitor that. You know, all the conveyors are working and everything is flowing, and there's no holdup. But I never thought about how probably people are also doing that <laughs> in the traffic. Yeah, it's it's a lot better now with that. I mean, in the old days, you didn't have you'd have to go out and drive around. Now we can just sit at our computer and、um, kind of we have eyes everywhere. It's good. Technology is good in a way. But I can understand some people are kind of.、Uh, Worry of it. <laughs> What advice would you give someone looking to start their career in your industry? If someone's looking to get into traffic engineering, you gotta get internship or entry level experience. Like I know I've mentioned it before, but that's so key.、Uh, it's even more important because there's not a lot of traffic engineers out there in terms of the other types of civil engineering disciplines. Traffic engineering is a very niche kind of subdiscipline. So, in order to get in, to get your foot in the door, try to get as much as you can working on your side. And if you have any prior experience, like traffic engineering experience, that you can put on your resume, I mean, that's the thing that we look for first when people are are applying for jobs. Then also, you definitely need to network. When I was in college, I. Didn't network as much. I was kind of the person who just sent my resumes like a hundreds of times. <laughs> it's, it's important to know the people in the industry because there's not that many people. There's not as a lot of traffic engineers. It's important to to get to know who they are because really they're the key to other traffic engineers, right? The people who who are going to be working for them. So get to know people. You know, make connections. It's a lot easier to do it now. Than it was back then. I mean, there's just so many tools now available: social media,、uh, LinkedIn, and stuff like that.、It、should be no excuse. That's how I would, how I would do it if I was today. And what are some other industries that you could work in as a traffic engineer, if any? That's an interesting question. You know,、um, well, traffic engineers. I would say I work for the government. Um, you definitely don't have to work for the government. You can work for a consulting consulting company, and what you do is you get hired to perform certain、uh, projects for traffic engineering. 
that's kind of really the two main ones I would say. It's either you're you're on the private side or the public side. But even within the public or private, there's just there's a lot of different kinds. You can work for a really large firm, there's smaller firms, or in the government, at least in the US, there's different levels of government. So on the smallest side, we have uh, cities, we have then counties, and then also state department of transportation. And then there's also you can even work at the federal level. So within the public and private sector, there's many different levels of organizations. In general, traffic engineering is traffic engineering. It's a very specific and, and niche field. So you're gonna you're kind of gonna be doing similar things than other to other traffic engineers. That's very interesting. I would have not thought there there are many other options than. Yeah, you might be able to. Um, also, certain vendors will build products like you know a traffic signal controller, which is like the computer that runs a traffic signal. Someone has to design that. Those companies may need a traffic engineer, but you you definitely would need other skills too. You'd be need you need to be good with hardware. It's, it's possible, but uh, those are more rare, I would say. So knowing all the different options, what would you say is a sign for an engineer that it's time to move on to a new job? Well, for this, this is more like gen general advice because it may not even apply just to engineers. First of all, I doubt anyone gets up every day and is like super happy that they're that they're going to be going to work, right? But you you do need to enjoy your job it can't be torturing like if if you're dreading it every day that's that's probably a sign that you know something needs to change or you got it you should try something else it doesn't mean you need to leave the field but you know maybe just a different job or a different employer and at the same time if you're ambitious and you want to grow if you feel like you're not growing and it's getting stale i think that's also a sign that maybe you should go for a new experience like in general time goes by quick and if you're not learning you know you're not getting better so those are some of the things i think about if i ever had to leave a job you want to you want to be able to grow um you want to be able to work with the people that you're working with and then you have to be being something that you're not dreading <laughs> there's a bunch of things but i think those are signs that you should start thinking about another job if, if you can't if if it's really causing you a lot of longing for something <laughs> you know i've left jobs sometimes it's like i've had to because I, i moved to the bay area but then other times i chose to because I felt like I wasn't growing. I was doing the same thing the whole time. And there's nothing wrong with the people there or anything, but I knew to be a better engineer, I had to take that step. That's great things to think about. Also very interesting for me personally <laughs> to to know when when's the right time to switch. Um, so you are a manager, right? You manage a team of engineers. Um, yeah. So I would love to know how did you become a manager? If you could take us a little bit from the time you were an engineer and then to how you became a manager and also if that experience was different than you expected. Okay. Uh, this is just a very slight change. Um, I, I was a manager at my previous job. I transitioned now to a, a new job. I'm actually, I'm in part building a team right now. Okay. So we don't have a lot of people. So uh, just a slight detail there. But yeah, getting to your question, managing is something where it's a whole different skill set, right? You know, a lot of engineers think 
well, if I'm a, if I'm a good engineer and I, I suddenly become an engineering manager, that's because I'm a good engineer. But to be a good manager is not the same as being a good engineer. Managing people is not the same as engineering. Although there are good engineers who are good managers. For me, it was a transition. I had to admit that, you know, I don't know a lot about managing, so I have to read as much as I can about it. I had to ask people a lot. I had what I consider a mentor. I asked them like, what books like did you read? that helped you. And then uh, I love to read. So I kind of just dive right into it. And I think you just, it's not something you just are good at. You just have to you have to experience it and you have to go through. You're going to run into mistakes and you're going to have to learn from them. So just like engineering to be a good manager, I think I feel like you kind of have to get that experience and just be willing to learn and um, be open to changing your way of thought. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there a book that helped you the most? Uh, yeah, there there were a couple. One book I, I, I read when I was early starting out as a manager is uh, High Output Management, and that's by Andrew Grove. He was a manager of a tech company in Silicon Valley back in the days, like in the 90s. He's considered one of the great managers, and he kind of just wrote a book about effective management, and he covers so many different topics from how do you measure your progress? How do you deal with annual reviews and stuff like that? You know, manager type things, not engineering, although he was like an engineer, right? At this uh, tech company. That's a classic. Uh, a lot of people know about him. And then another one is Rise by Patty Azzarello. She was a CEO of uh, multiple companies and she just lays it really straightforward about kind of the pitfalls, what happens, you know, you get promoted and uh, things people don't realize and the mistakes they make. And the mistakes she made and she she just does a really good job of telling it like it is straightforward and to the point and that's kind of how i like it i'd recommend those two books thanks a lot i'm definitely adding these to my reading list yeah the the second one was written a lot more recent the first one can can be a little dated because he's he's a bit older like a different generation just just let you know <laughs> okay since you're now building a new team i'd love to know what are some challenges related to that that maybe are new compared to just managing a team or I mean, just. <laughs> One of the, the biggest impacts a manager can have is recruiting and who, who they're able to bring on or hire and create a team. Andrew Grove talks a bit about this, but there is one book I read um, that really hit this point is called Work Rules by Laszlo Bach. He worked at Google and in this book, he kind of talked about Google's strategy for recruiting, you know, talent, right? And you talk about all the experiments they ran and, you know, it's, it's very interesting. But the, the key thing is if you hire well, prevents and saves you from so much issues later. It is one of the key things a good manager or leader needs to do well and prioritize because you can't do everything alone. You need the help of people and talented people. You need to be able to give talented people, you need to be able to hire them and then you, you need to be able to empower them to do what they do best. And when you do that, it's a win-win for the organization. So it's a real key thing. I put a lot of importance behind it and seriousness and I take it very serious. Um, the people we choose to hire, I think it's just not something to just Oh yeah, we'll just hire the you know first person who applies because we need someone really quick. No, if you read that book, I really recommend it. It's often better to wait for a really good person when you're looking to hire someone and build a team. That's also what my old manager always said. It just takes one bad hire to mess up the team. Oh yeah, 
and in, in government, it's worse because you you can't you, you just can't fire them. A lot of times, a lot of times, just uh, there's like unions or you know just something. And it's harder to. Uh, it's not like the private sector. So one bad hire can can really change everything, and one good hire can even change the whole organization in a, in a positive way. Hmm. Do you have any advice for engineers looking to become a manager? And are there any skills that you think are necessary as an engineer that engineers maybe don't typically build in their job? Definitely. I think, you know, some engineers I talk to don't want to be a manager and that's totally fine. If you're one of those engineers and you enjoy what you're doing, you know, more power to you. You should definitely continue what you're doing if, you, if that's what you love to do. For those who want to be a manager, sometimes you have to push yourself. It's like going for a job at the very beginning, you know, when you're entry level, you have to prove that you can be a manager for someone to even consider or hire you as a manager. So a lot of the skills to be a good manager, as I mentioned, is, is not the same as being a good engineer, you know, being able to empathize with people, um, communicate, be fair, but also firm. A lot of the things they talk about in the books I mentioned is a good start to kind of learn what makes a good manager. A lot of people aren't given the opportunity to manage. Some people, they are. Like if there's a need and they're the person, they're the only person there, they might have to be a manager. But some people, they may never get that opportunity. So what happens if you don't get that opportunity? You either have to look for it, you have to kind of create it, and you have to show that you have the skills to be a manager. So some, you know, maybe someone will notice you then and start thinking like, hey, maybe that person can be a manager and I'll increase your chances of being able to get in one of those positions where you're managing and leading a team. Can you think of ways to show those skills without being a manager? A lot of times you have your your job description, right? And that's a lot, a lot of times for engineers, it's very technical. But if you can start to do other work that isn't technical, like things that require like vision or strategizing, you know, sometimes your supervisor may need help and, you know, you can offer to help and maybe you can get experience doing something something that's a little more like not as technical and more of like a management type work. So you can still get experience with management work and that would be good to put on your resume. But you kind of have to, you kind of have to be, you have to put effort to get it because a lot of engineers are so busy with their technical work. They don't even have time to even consider that or even notice when that opportunity is there. So you kind of have to, to make that time or fit it in your work. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. And a lot of times it's just having a mentor or someone who can help guide you. Ask someone you look up to who's a good manager or leader and, you know, ask them like, how'd you get into it? And that already kind of plants a seed in their mind that, hey, this person is interested in managing. Like I can teach them some things or I can maybe give them some opportunities. It doesn't hurt to ask. The worst they'll say is no. <laughs> I watched your video where you talk about the book range which is a great book, by the way, about um, yeah how to thrive as a generalist in a world that encourages you to specialize. And I also loved your video, so definitely recommend everyone checking that out. I would love to know what is your perspective, specifically for engineers, on you know, being a generalist or specialist. So first of all, where do you fall on the spectrum of those two? And also, what do you think we should aim for more? Yeah, well, yeah I love that book. And <laughs> then and the reason why I love it is when I read it, it just resonated so much with me. As I mentioned in the very beginning, I was a kid who wanted to do a lot of things and learn as into sports. 
was into science, math, computer games, and then music. My mind was just everywhere. Range kind of put that in perspective where it's so true that, you know, society, it doesn't really reward that as much as someone like someone who's just really good at one thing, right? That kind of really resonated with me, that book. I definitely fall in the generalist kind of side of the spectrum. And I feel one of the advantages is it leads to a very fulfilling life experience. I'm never bored. I feel like at some point you start to pick up tools and um, skills that help in other things. For example, one thing is I didn't realize, you know, I'd ever start a YouTube channel, right? And I didn't know that being a musician had skills with creating videos, like in the sense like, you know, you have to pick out music and things. So, so you start to see things like help stuff you learn. It's not like you planned it, but it kind of just fits in like this really cool way. So you see yourself as a more of a generalist. Do you think there's one thing we should strive for as engineers just to be a better engineer? Should we aim to be more specialist than we usually are or more generalist? I, I think that that's Oh, that's a tough one to answer. I think it has more to do with what your inclinations are. Some people are really good, you know, at one specialty and they excel really well at that. We need those people. If they love what they're doing, then by all means, like do it, right? But at the same time, we also need the journalists, right? And we also should encourage that. So even though someone may, and the book talks about this, like even though someone may look like they're behind because they're always switching from job to job, a lot of people would, you know, in society ask questions like, why are you doing that? But in reality, like some people, like that's how they learn. And you kind of have to almost believe that that's also a strength in many ways. I feel like society, we do a good job in encouraging people to be really good at one thing, but we could do better job also at encouraging people to explore and not commit early to gain a wide range of experience because it just prepares you better for unexpected things if you've seen a lot if you've experienced a lot do you have any advice for engineers with with lots of interests how they can you know build a fulfilling life that uses as many of their interests as possible that's a t that's a tough question i mean uh, it just <laughs> it doesn't work out the same for everyone some people may find like after searching for a long time they find like what they're meant to do i would i would say hmm, i have to think a bit more on that question well what do you think <laughs> are, you, are you a generalist or i mean so i also think i'm more of a generalist okay. i definitely always had many interests it was never really clear I want to do one thing. And I also get bored if I don't learn new things. For me, starting a YouTube channel is a big one. Um, just start a YouTube channel or having projects besides your work that use some other interests, like using more creativity, being able to like talk about all the books you read when you have a YouTube channel, or even just like I recently did some coding courses, which were something different from what I usually do. Yeah, just knowing that you need some time to do other things as well. I also know people who just work three days a week and then they do a different job on the other two days. I think that's something I would love to do in the future as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and to add on to that, that's so true. And sometimes people just think about how much you're making, right? But it's not that. I mean, a lot of times what makes it so enjoyable for people who, who kind of lean towards the generalist side is they love learning about different things and kind of keeping that fire going is often even more important than, you know, being rich. Obviously, you need money to like live and buy food, right? But after a certain point, your happiness also matters, you know, just as much or even more. Yes, that's so true. One big question <laughs> I want to ask you is why did you start your YouTube channel? What has that been like for you? Yeah, um, I started a YouTube channel 
back it's like two years ago i think it was still the pandemic honestly I, I can't say it was like something i planned or i had some grand scheme or something I, I just wanted to try it a lot of the motivation comes from being a manager i feel like one of my strengths is being a good coach and being able to mentor people and help people right you know i wanted to do that like i was like looking, looking at mentorship programs and it's just like there's like so many hoops to jump through and it just felt so like regulated and organized a certain way it really doesn't have to be like that now now you can make a video and it just blows my mind every time like you can make a video that's like it just took a day to do maybe or day or two like thousands of people can see it if you have really good advice or value to help people that like, you can make such a big impact and it just blows it's not like i have like a huge channel or anything but and, like, every time i think about that that's just like so awesome so the idea that i can help people was a big motivation to that but also another big motivation is it also helps me in, in a way that where i was the introverted engineer kind of for a while becoming a manager i realized like i needed to make changes to help improve like certain skills that i that i have i've tried many different things i've tried like speech clubs and none of them really had the impact that youtube has had youtube is was quite the experience and i'm glad i tried it i feel like i'm i'm pretty different than what i used to be because of youtube and it's not just from like like how i express myself but all the skills i've learned how i see things now as kind of like storytelling and things it's been a surprise i had no real real big expectations coming in but it's kind of blown me away you know it's something i'll continue to do as long as i can yeah i can relate to that so much it makes me smile because <laughs> i feel like right. yeah. yeah so awesome like the fact that we could be talking like you're on the other side of the world and we're both engineers but we share like a common interest and yeah that's really cool yeah i mean the only reason i know about you is because of youtube so that's pretty cool very cool yeah and do you think that it has an impact on your engineering career in any way like maybe a negative impact or a positive impact or both that you have a youtube channel the the positive impacts i kind of already spoke about but i'm actually very careful because unlike other people you know they make channels gaming or something this is almost like professional representation of me online so mm -hmm. i have to be very careful uh, what i say if i give facts and statistics out i have to be very careful about what i give out because yeah you don't want to give out wrong stuff although you know it's inevitably going to happen yeah there's that part where you definitely don't want youtube to or any social media to have a negative impact on your career i can't say that it has for me that i know of maybe some people have seen my channel and think love me for that but i don't I don't know but i get a lot more compliments than criticism i, I would say you just gotta be careful in, in, in any social media or youtube uh, the internet it can, it can be a little crazy sometimes yeah <laughs> going back to engineering a little bit are there any ways in which being an engineer or specifically a traffic engineer has impacted other aspects of your life besides you know your work in studies maybe is there something that you pay more attention to now or do differently well how it affected my life and this will be surprising to people i'm actually a lot more of a calm driver now than than i would have been i don't know it's like it feels like i've seen so much in terms of like what goes on on the roads you know i'm not scared I know like sometimes people feel like they're not safe driving or anything, but like you just seen so much. I drive a lot slower now than what I used to when I was young. But then when I see like a light not working, I know why it's not working. So I'm not like upset. 
<laughs> like of a traffic light, like I'm waiting at a traffic light instead of me just like going into rage. I'm like thinking, oh yeah, the detector is probably not working. It's okay. And I've been in that position. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to get mad at that engineer. I know what they deal with and all the difficulties it is with maintaining like the roadway and everything. So it's, it's made me a lot more understanding and I'm actually, I feel like I'm a lot more calmer, which is kind of a lot of people wouldn't think that a lot of people think uh, if you know it. There's some traffic engineers like they see everything wrong with the road or something like I'm not like <laughs> I, I kind of I can empathize with fellow engineers and what they have to go through sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I would have thought that you're like looking at everything. You're like, ah, this could be better. This could be better. <laughs> I do. I do see that. I do criticize. But like I understand the difficulties of why it, it isn't the way it should be. It's it's very hard to get things perfect sometimes so, or to make everyone happy. And. Yeah, my last question before we get to the rapid fire questions uh, is what are your career goals going forward and where do you see yourself going in the next five years? Good question. I personally, I'd love to be more in like a leadership, like innovator role. We all want to make an impact. You know, at some point you realize to make an impact, you have to build a team. You have to, you know, at least that's that's one way I see it. Of course, I'm going to continue to learn and be a better traffic engineer. But at the same time, I want to also learn how do I become a better manager? How do I become a, a leader? And that's all leading to how do I have a bit bigger impact, you know, to make our roads safer or the things for things to run better? So I don't know. I tend not to plan out. I'm not the person who will look and think what happens in 10 years, you know, five or 10 years, because every time I do that, it never actually ends up the way it is. <laughs> you know, it was like, we didn't know we would start a YouTube channel, right? So it's like, I, I just feel like it's kind of pointless to waste too much time thinking about that. But the kind of aspirations I have is, you know, I want to find ways to how can I make a bigger and positive, more positive impact? Um, how can I make a bigger difference to the people I'm managing and helping their career grow? So those are those are the questions I think about. So I would love to end with some rapid fire questions. So the questions are going to be very short, but you don't have to answer <laughs> in a short sentence, but it, it's encouraged. Um, yeah, but you can think uh, if you need to. So what is your favorite and least favorite part of being a traffic engineer? My favorite part is it's never boring. One day I'm working on traffic lights. The other day I'm working on a resident complaint. Next day I'm working on like looking at uh, modeling. Next day I'm looking at a study. Like it's just, it, it keeps things really interesting. And then what I hate is I would say some people, they just like to complain <laughs> and you have to deal with that. And they, and they still like to complain and that's that's what they like to do all day, even though uh, there's not much you can do, but you still have to. It's a good, good customer service. So, <laughs> <laughs> Which computer game is most like actual traffic engineering? I don't, I don't know if there is one. Otherwise, just your favorite computer game that's related to traffic engineering. If I had more time, I'd love to play City Skyline more, even though it's probably not. I mean, I don't know how realistic it is compared to the actual traffic engineering, but it's a really cool city building game. So I'll, I'll say that one. Okay, nice. What is your favorite book? My favorite book, it's called Flow. I definitely do not remember the, the author's name. but I'll link it in the description. Yes, please, please link it. Yes. I, I, think, I think it's just such an awesome book because it gets to what, makes like a fulfilling life in general kind of he talks about how to how your life is more complex versus things that make your life less complex and less fulfilling and he just does a really good job what is your favorite blog or podcast favorite blogger <laughs> i i actually don't i don't listen to any blogs or podcasts right now 
Okay. Isn't that sad? I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. That's my thing. Okay. I, I like to I like to listen to audiobooks. So I, I don't have a like a, a podcast or something that I, I listen to regularly. That's fine. <laughs> if you had to totally abandon your current career and do something very different, what would you do? Uh, there there are two two things I'd probably get into. I like coding. Said I was into computers and coding a lot when I was young. So I think I, there's something there. And the other thing is uh, I have artistic side, which is like where musicians, musicianship and um, YouTube and, you know, creating things. Um, I like that too. So I don't know, it's, it's harder to make a living doing that, but that's kind of like, that would be something that'd be like a dream too. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. For the people who want to learn more about you or connect with you after listening to this, where should they go? Um, I have a YouTube channel. Um, it's at Byron Tang, B-Y-R-O-N-T-A-N-G. You can also go and see me on Twitter. I've My username is Byron Tang, T-E, which stands for Traffic Engineer. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, Byron, thank you so much for being here. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And I'll see you next week with a brand new episode of the Fresh Engineer podcast. Again, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm so excited that we made this happen. Wow, I've learned so much from that conversation. I was really surprised to learn that there's actually people monitoring the traffic at all times to make sure that it flows and resolve any congestion. It makes sense when you think about it, but I guess I just never thought about it. So thank you again, Byron Tang, for coming onto the show and sharing your story. If you want to learn more about traffic engineering, I highly recommend you check out his YouTube channel where he has really cool day in the life videos and even a video explaining why he uses a dash cam as a traffic engineer. I also collaborated with him on a video on his channel about what's preventing California from reaching its goal of 8 million electric vehicles on the road by 2030, where I gave some insights on the challenges of producing lithium-ion batteries. So if you're interested in learning more about that aspect of traffic and transportation engineering, then definitely give that a watch. You can find the show notes for this episode on freshengineer.io slash podcast slash four, including links to everything we talked about. Next week, I will talk to a battery factory engineer about moving from Saudi Arabia to Sweden, the challenges of running solar plants in the desert, and how to build and use your network to get ahead in your career. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts so you don't miss it. Here's already a little sneak peek. The first three, four months were fantastic for me because I was reviewing engineering drawings and all this stuff on a large-scale basis, and I was like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. But after four or five months... It was the same thing. I would download the same RFQs, talk to the same suppliers, it's the same kind of equipment again and again and again. After a year and a half, I was like, hmm, this could be a perfect job for retirement, but not for a starting budding engineer. Yeah. Because I wasn't being challenged mentally or intellectually. I was just reviewing stuff. I started looking elsewhere. I wasn't dreaming big or anything. Europe was never in my mind. It was really difficult to find a job in Saudi Arabia because the government was bringing in rules where if a company wanted to hire an expatriate, they need to have at least a minimum of five years of experience in engineering. For those who were already working in companies, it wasn't a problem. But if I had to apply for a new job, then it became a problem. So I started looking outside of Saudi. And then I came across this renewable energy company. Thanks for tuning in to the Fresh Engineer podcast, where fresh engineers share their stories. 